If you've been with us in this conversation, then you'll know a few of the things that I'll share really quickly. If you haven't been with us in this conversation, I want to invite you that you can always go back and watch or listen to any of these messages uh, through the EPAG app or on our website, epag.church. That's epag.church. We talked about how the church, the body of Christ, the people of God, is God's plan A. There is no plan B. We're it. And the gospel is the hope of the world. The church, you and I, are the hope of the gospel. If people are going to hear the truth, if people are going to know about Jesus, if people are going to be able to experience freedom, it's going to be the church, the body of Christ, you and I as Jesus followers, making sure the truth gets to people. We've talked about in this conversation how Christ is the head of the church. He is our leader. We are followers. We are following Him. His plan, His will, His agenda, His orchestration. Part of the way He does things in His church is that Christ gives gifts or leaders to the church, including pastors and teachers. We talked through a lot of that a few weeks ago. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, the five-fold ministry gifts, if you will, found in Ephesians chapter 4. And then lastly, we've also talked about leaders of the church have the responsibility to build up the church to help to bring Jesus' followers into a greater degree of spiritual maturity, and then to also equip God's people to do God's work. We said a couple of weeks ago that we want to redefine ministry. Yes, people answer a calling to serve in vocational ministry. You can, in, in some ways, you can say that ministry is a career for some, although it should never be seen as a way to climb the ladder from one thing to another. But we also understand that God wants to equip all of His followers to do the work of the ministry, to do the works of service in this world. So ministry is not just a profession. Ministry is not just what takes place on a platform or with a microphone. Ministry is about expressing God's love and power everywhere we go to all people. Now last week we talked about how there are there are sometimes some reasons that can keep Jesus' followers from engaging in the Great Commission. We even talked about how some people now call the Great Commission in the American church the Great Omission. That if, if, it, if it's a healthy church, uh, one study reports that you would have a 20 to 1 conversion ratio. Meaning that for every 20 people in the church, one person would be saved each year. Now, obviously, we'd love to see there be a one-to-one -one ratio, right? Each of us winning one soul for Jesus every year. You remember the story I told last week of the man who was about to pass away, and he asked for the chaplain. The chaplain prayed with him and talked with him, and he said, Are, are you worried? Are you concerned? It seems like you're shaken. The man said, no, I'm not afraid to die. I know I'm right with God. He said, I'm ashamed to die because in all of these years of being a part of the church and doing all of these things, I've never won one soul to Jesus. He said, I'm ashamed to stand before God having not done that. Empty-handed in many ways. Statistics tell us in studies in America right now, it's actually more like 85 people to one conversion ratio, that for every 85 people in the local church, one person is saved every year. That's a pretty low number when you think about it, because that means in our church there might be 7 to 10 people saved in an entire year. Are you tracking with me? 
So we talked about how the Great Commission is still great, but there are times that we, as Jesus followers, may not engage, and there can be lack of passion or lack of intentionality. There can be feelings of inadequacy within our own hearts. There can be self-induced pressure, feeling like that we have to always see someone pray that sinner's prayer or have that moment of salvation, and that if we have a conversation that doesn't end like that, somehow we've failed. And then there's fear. And more and more today in our culture, fear is becoming a powerful tool of the enemy. People are concerned about being ridiculed. People are concerned about being canceled. People are concerned about losing a job. People are concerned about what will happen in a school. Uh, All these different things that could take place just because we are representing Jesus to our world. Now, while we have to navigate these potential reasons, we don't have to live there. We don't have to live with a lack of passion or a feeling of inadequacy or self-induced pressure or fear. The answer for fear and the answer for pressure and inadequacy and passion is the power of God being at work in our lives. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be His witnesses, the witnesses for Jesus on this earth. I ended here last week and I'll reiterate this one more time. We may not all be called to be missionaries or pastors or church leaders in that ministry sense. But we're all called to be witnesses for Jesus. And Jesus said when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, we will then be witnesses. We will be empowered and equipped to be witnesses. How many of you in the room today, you're readers? Any readers in the room? You like books? All right, I'm taking a non-scientific poll. How many like hard copy books? Tree form? How many like digital books on an iPad? Hard copy definitely won that one. Wow. Well, you know, I, I too like to hold the book. I, I agree with you on that, and there's something about writing in or highlighting a book. But I also love that I can travel anytime I need to with all of my books, or at least any of those that are digital, in one place. Because this iPad is a lot lighter than my Bible. Right? It's a lot lighter than some of the books that we buy to purchase. Now, I'm, I'm not as a reader like other people are readers. So I need to confess that. And my wife's in the nursery or she would have just shouted amen. But I, I'm, not a, I'm not a reader like everyone. I don't, I don't read for leisure. I don't, I don't just read some random biography or some random thing, although I did just download a couple of audio books to, to, to try a couple of those out. Uh, one, is, one is the uh, study of caffeine. I have three kids. I mean, they're all daughters, they're all younger, so deal with that. And, and uh, one is the story of Coach Bill Belichick, and... Uh, One, I think, is the history of Brett Favre. I know some of you Vikings fans are hurting at me just mentioning that name. I I don't necessarily read for pleasure. Most of the times when I read, I read for study, or I'm considering some sort of uh, ministry-driven, church-driven wisdom or insight that I am thinking of, praying about in the church world. But other than Scripture, several years ago, a friend of mine gave me a book that had a deep impact on my life and ministry. That book, in addition to the reality of being a husband and a father, opened my eyes to realize that in life, my pace was too fast and I was just too hurried. It wasn't just about a to-do list. There was something on the inside of me, an inner 
nudge or a drive or a push or a voice that compelled me to always go, 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 do, 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 do. And when you've done and you've gone, keep going and do some more. Why was I compelled to always go, 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 go? I had to dig deep to figure out what is it that God's wanting to change in me that compels me to feel like I need to be constantly doing something. And what was the expense of living a life that was too hurried? What suffered? And I can tell you early on, it was probably my family. When I would burn the candle at both ends, you've heard that phrase before. When you're up early and you're up late and you're trying to consume every amount of being awake to get things done... What else can suffer? Your health can suffer. The attention to what's going on right in front of you in the individual moments can suffer. And, and I also begin to question, how is this affecting me in serving even in vocational ministry? I was really busy, but I begin to ask the question, am I really effective? I, I'm doing a lot, but am I doing the right things? Am I saying yes to the right things? Am I saying no to the wrong things? Now, Here's a confession so that at the end of this message you can know. Confession from me is I still haven't gotten it right all the time. There are still moments when I'm tempted to keep going and to keep doing things because there are always things on my to-do list to get done. And people in a growing church, there are always people who are facing crises and the need for pastoral care and a shepherd. So I don't always get it right. But I have found in my life that I'm not the only one who has ever experienced the struggle. Our culture has a bias towards hurry. Waiting is seen as a bad thing, right? Technology has come out with all the latest and greatest gadgets that are guaranteed to save us time and make us more productive, but what they've actually done is increase the time consumed of us using them, made the engine inside of us rev up even more, and somehow this feeling that we can get even more done in a shorter amount of time has started to dictate our lives. And truthfully, I don't have the answer to this question, but I begin to wonder today how AI, artificial intelligence, is going to affect this even more. We can live under the weight of self-induced pressures. We can live under the weight of feeling like that our voices from the past pressured us into believing that somehow being loved was only a result of what we did rather than who we are. That the only time we were encouraged, the only time we heard a good compliment, the only time that, that we seemed to matter to some other people was when we did certain things, not just the value as a person. And sometimes we can even hurry in our lives because we feel the need to prove ourselves. And in proving ourselves, our hope is that other people will see it and either help us rise to a greater level of success or somehow be impressed with our efforts. Now what suffers when hurry is dictating our life? I'm going to connect this to the church. Just stay with me. What suffers when this is our way of life? Well, first of all, I'm not sure our brain capacity can handle it all. Just being honest, can we handle all of these things at one time? How do we remember it all? How about emotional and mental health? Pace has been made synonymous with productivity, 
So what we ultimately do is sacrifice the idea of Sabbath rest that God gave us instead for getting more done, which ultimately, if not careful, can lead to burnout or maybe even worse. We seem to be the most stressed and anxious society that has ever lived on this planet. Anybody notice that? There are many factors that can contribute to a host of emotional and mental health challenges. There's so many, in fact, that I don't have time to give you a list and explain some of those things today. But I just want to pause for a moment and ask ourselves, I wonder at times, do we contribute to some of our own struggles by the pace and the pressure and the stress that we're living? Our physical health can be affected. If you've lived long enough in a stressful environment then you recognize that your blood pressure can rise pretty quickly. I don't think it'd be a secret to tell. My, my dad is uh, uh, semi-retired. I guess that's what you call it. I, I, I kind of get the, the impression that retirement, really you just get more busy after working than you did before. But he, he, uh, he left uh, for a little bit of time of leave and, and was off work for a little bit and his blood pressure dropped by like 20 points. And then he was getting ready to go back to work because dad just wanted to make a little extra money to have toys, basically. And so he, he was going to go back to work, and I said, Dad, why would you subject yourself to this? You, you hate the culture you're working in to the point that it's affecting your physical health. It's, it's not that you're in need, it's that you're wanting to have this extra just to basically play with. And he went back, and almost immediately his blood pressure went back up. Physical health can be affected. And ultimately, when we are so consumed and in a hurry and trying to be productive and do all these things, if we're not careful, we will actually eliminate our margins. You guys remember notebook paper? It was a, it was a thin, thin, thin sheet of white paper with uh, usually I think that one margin on one side was kind of a pinkish purple line down the side, three holes in it. Anybody remember what I'm talking about? And then there were blue lines. You could get wide rule, college rule. Okay, just wanted to make sure we were still remembering. There were margins. And I don't know about you, but I had teachers, professors, different people that you weren't supposed to go into the margins. You were supposed to write between the guided lines on the piece of paper. And I think there's some truth to that in our lives. There's a reason why God gave us this idea of Sabbath. There's a reason why the Scripture talks about rest. is because if we are not careful, we will bleed into the margins. And then the question becomes, when do we breathe? And when do we spend quality time with God? And when do we spend quality time even with our own families? When we're consuming every ounce of time that we have. Maybe you've been there or maybe you're there right now. You're recognizing that there's something inside of you that speaks similarly to what I'm talking about this morning. Uh, You look for the quickest lane at the red light as you approach. You're laughing because you know. You get so mad when people in the fast lanes are moving slower than the speed limit. And those truckers, how dare they pass anybody and get in our way? You look for the shortest checkout lines at the store. That is, if you even go in a store anymore. And then if you're waiting in the stall, you're getting out of your car and pacing at Walmart, wondering when they're going to bring your pickup order. And then I've noticed 
We even have a feature on our audiobooks and our podcasts that allow us to speed up how quickly we listen to our content. We don't even listen at normal speed anymore. We wear busyness as a badge. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm really busy, but I'm good. Oh, it's been a busy week. We've made ourselves victims of busyness as if somehow it happens to us when I wonder sometimes if we create some of the busyness ourselves. Now, how does this connect to being the church? If this is our pace and we're hurried, how does it connect to being the church? Well, let me start here. We haven't even touched on the harder questions. What does hurry do to our relationship with God? What does hurry do to our relationship with God? When do, we have, when do we have time to connect? When do we have time to fellowship? When do we have time to commune? That's a little bit of an old school word, but I think you understand. When do we have that time to abide, to dwell in, to really spend time with just God? Now, I get it. Uh, I, I believe fully 100%, and I do understand that, that we can talk with God all day long throughout our days. But... Wouldn't we agree? I mean, even this morning, isn't there something sweet and peaceful and transforming about that extended time with just God? And there's something powerful when we're able to say, I'm carving out this space. I'm making room that God would be at work in me. If we're hurried, when do we accept the invitation to be with Him? Because when Jesus invited the disciples to follow him they said that he said that you may be with me was the very first thing he said when do we accept the invitation to be with him to follow him and even to learn from him rather than jesus being this one segment this one box this one drawer this one area of life what if instead we're to be an apprentice of Jesus, watching, learning, listening, following, spending time with? Are we really an apprentice of Jesus or are we coming to Jesus only for what we need or want or only to ask Him to bless us? Dallas Willard is known as a great theologian in our day. He said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. John Ortberg, author said, even when it stepped further, for many of us, the, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. And then we take it a step further. What does hurry do to our relationship with God? But then, what does hurry do to our relationship with others? If, if the church is God's plan A, that's you and me, if Jesus' followers are God's plan A and He wants us to engage in His work on this earth, even towards other people, then what does hurry do to our relationship with other people? When do we take time for being hospitable and serving others and being compassionate and full of honor towards other people. I think if we're not careful, and I understand there's some New Testament reference in Scripture to these things, but 
Hospitality and serving and compassion and honor can be considered just these special gifts for certain some people rather than understanding these are things that every Jesus follower can be involved in. But when we're hurried, we don't have time to show love to others. And I'm not just talking about a, I'll pray for you and walk in a way. When we're hurried, love doesn't have depth Depth is when it moves from empty words to full actions that actually help people in need. We're too busy to open our homes or to enjoy a meal with others. What does hurry do to our relationship with other people? I would suggest we're not good listeners because we're hurried. We're not good listeners. We already had the problem of trying to listen to someone in order to respond. So that we would know the next thing we're going to say back in response. Husbands and wives, you can say amen to that. It's okay. Because if you've ever had a moment of intense fellowship in your home, then you know that you had been tempted to justify your argument. And while they were talking, you weren't trying to understand. You were trying to hear what was being said so you could give them the bullet points back as to why you're right and they're wrong. Okay, thank you. I heard one amen somewhere in the back. We already have a problem of listening to respond rather than listening to understand. Hurry causes causes us to show a lack of interest in people, even in our body language, that says, I'm here with you, and I'm looking you in the eye, but my body language points to the reality that my mind is also pointed in a different direction. We don't learn other stories. We don't take the time to really know who they are. It, it, it shows in the reality that you can even go to the same church with someone for 20 years and still not know their life. Good place for an amen. We don't learn other stories because we're so busy. We're hurried in writing our own story and accomplishing our own lives so we don't have time to spend with others. How does hurry affect our relationship with others. I would go one step further, and I would say we lack the time and availability and sensitivity for the Holy Spirit to be at work through our interactions. we got to get in, get out, get in the car, get to the next place. We don't have time to be stopped, and we certainly don't want to be interrupted. We're on a journey with Jesus, and we're to be with Him and to learn from Him. We're to be a reflection of Jesus, representing Him to this world. We are to continue the work of Jesus on this earth while we're here. And the Holy Spirit has promised, we talked about it last week, to equip and to empower us to do the very work of Jesus. To even give us the words to speak to other people. And to give us understanding and a gentle attitude to help others in their journey with Jesus. But if we're hurried, we got to be somewhere. We need the shortest lines. We don't have time for a long conversation. And the thought of 20 minutes given to extra waiting or to just stand and talk to somebody. Ah! Imagine... What would happen if we allowed for greater work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, not just in us 
as He transforms our lives, which is absolutely necessity and important. But what would happen if the Holy Spirit's not only working in us, but that we had the margin for the Holy Spirit to work through us as well? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will have the power and you will be my witnesses. What would happen when the Holy Spirit is given the opportunity to work? Author and pastor John Mark Comer said, Hurry and love are oil and water. They simply do not mix. How do we really love other people? How do we really reach other people? How do we really accomplish the work of Jesus on this earth that we're living? How do we really allow the Holy Spirit time to work if we're always in a hurry? So what would happen if we lived more like Jesus? When I opened the book, The Unhurried Life, several years ago, and actually I'm re-listening to it again just because it's a good, good reminder. Um, When I opened the book, the author, the first line of his book said, I am a recovering speed addict, and I don't mean the drug. And as I read that book, I began to think about Jesus. And I'd never really considered Jesus to be slow-paced or even relaxed. Because how many know in our culture, it's, we're not easily relaxed in many ways. And I begin to, to reflect, I begin to study, and I, I think about Jesus was plenty busy in his time on earth. Crowds were regularly pressing in on him. Uh, there were many people who desired what only he could do in their lives. There were plenty of needs for him to meet. And, and there, were, there were plenty of things that could be done, plenty of people who wanted it done. But if you study the Gospels, was Jesus actually ever in a hurry? It's kind of interesting because when you read the Gospels and then you read it even into the book of Acts after Jesus ascends back to heaven and the disciples are still at work on earth, as you read all of that, it kind of moves quick in moments, right? Especially the Gospel of Mark because he's really concise. He's like the Cliff Notes version of Jesus on earth and he just kind of hammers it. Boom, 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 boom. Not a lot of extra detail like some of the other Gospel writers. But even still, you read it and it's like, Jesus is here healing this person. Jesus is here healing this person. Jesus is here doing this miracle. Jesus is on the mountainside teaching someone and it's just kind of boom, 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 boom. But we lose sight that in that culture they had to do a lot of walking. I mean, if I walked as much as Jesus, I'd be a skinnier guy. I could walk off the donuts I like too much. I could, I could walk off the homemade apple pie my wife makes. I could, I could do a lot better. Now you're hungry, aren't you? A cup of coffee and a nice slice of apple pie out there would be great. They did a lot of walking. So what we lose sight of is you got all these destinations and all these places and all these things that Jesus was doing, but we lose sight of the reality that it took time for all of these things to develop. It took time for Jesus to go from one place to another. There's never a spot in the Gospels, and if you find it, feel free to come and show me, but I can't seem to find a spot in the Gospels where Jesus ran anywhere, which is my theology for why I don't run. That's a joke. My real theology is just probably being lazy. But nonetheless, was Jesus ever in a hurry? 
Let me ask it a different way. Can we find a place where Jesus was ever so busy that he didn't have time to pay attention to the people in front of him? I can't help but think of Matthew chapter 9. Just a few more moments together in the Word today. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is approached by a religious leader whose daughter had died. To his credit, the man believed Jesus could bring her back to life if Jesus just came to his house and touched her. First, we see the reality that Jesus left what he was doing and he focused on this dad and this daughter and went that direction at the request of this father. In the meantime, while he's on the journey to go to this house, a woman who'd had a health issue for 12 years, who'd spent everything she had to go to the doctors but only grew worse, made her way to Jesus. And with great faith, she touched just the fringe or the tassels, if you will, of his garment, and she was healed. But that wasn't enough for Jesus. He called the woman from the crowd, and he ends up having this incredible encounter with her. Now, I'm going to put myself in the shoes of the father for a moment and take just a second of liberty. If I'm the father, and I'm wanting Jesus to get to my house to touch my daughter, we ain't got time for this, Jesus. Like, she's already healed. She's good. Let's just keep moving. But Jesus stopped to interact with someone else. Even though he was already in the middle of a journey for someone else, Jesus had the time for this woman as well. Here's the deal. I can't find a moment in Scripture when Jesus was inconvenienced with interruptions because he was too busy, too in a hurry, too determined to get somewhere at the expense of someone else. We don't want to be so hurried in our lives that we can't be the incarnate presence of Jesus. We don't want to be in such a hurry that we can't be a part of His mission on earth. If we aren't careful, listen closely, if we aren't careful, our pace will limit our participation in the plan of God. If we aren't careful, our pace will limit our participation in the plan of God. We want to have room we want to have margin. We want to have pace that's appropriate for what God wants to do in and through His church, you and I. So let me give you a couple of practical thoughts to end today. If you're in this place where you are feeling very hurried, if maybe you resonate with something I said earlier about feeling this pressure to prove yourself and to be productive, maybe you've had those voices in your life that have helped you to attach your value to your productivity, so therefore you feel like if you're not doing everything and getting it all done and proving yourself that somehow you're not valuable, maybe you can recognize yourself in some of this today. If that's the case and you're saying, I want the room, I want the space, I want the margin in my life for God to be not only at work in me, but I want the margin and the space and the opportunity for God to be at work through me to even help other people. I want you to start today by reprioritizing intentionally. What really matters? Can we define in our lives what is the priority? What is the greatest importance? What matters most? And as a Jesus follower, we're not, we're not answering that question just in ourselves or the way the world would answer it. Ultimately, as Jesus followers, we're saying, what matters to God? What, what's at the top of God's list? I want to be in sync with God. 
I want to be so committed to this journey with Jesus that I prioritize what matters most to Him. I want to prioritize what matters most as a Jesus follower rather than leaving, listen closely, rather than leaving His priorities for the margin in our lives that ultimately we eliminate and don't even have time for. Do you notice what I just said? If we prioritize the things of God, we'll make sure they get in the main space of life. If we don't, they will end up being shifted to the back burner. And we'll say, well, we'll do that when we have time, but we'll never have time. So what really matters to God? Matthew 6, you know this verse. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything you need. Maybe the pressure for you is like, I gotta, I gotta prove myself and I gotta get these things done and I gotta make this money and I gotta have these things and all this stuff. And Jesus clearly taught, like, hey, don't get so caught up with everything in the world. Don't get so caught up with your priorities aligned with culture that you miss what God actually wants to do in and through your life. He challenges us to seek Him first, to put Him first, to reset our lives so that our priorities are aligning with God's. And then once we reprioritize intentionally, we can remove deliberately. And this is a really practical thought for you today. But it might be good for you to take out your calendar and to look and find some spaces in your calendar that need to be cut off. Maybe you need to pull out your or mentally or even make a list and begin to realize what digital clutter is in your life. What about the time you spend on social media? The time you spend watching things or listening to things? That even if we have some margin, we're filling it with kind of, we're filling it with kind of all these other things. Not to mention if, if we're just consuming all of our margin and we have no time for the Lord and all these different things. What, what's it doing to our, our health? Remove deliberately so that you can, can actually change the pace of your life and not be so hurried in things that don't matter as much. I've talked with people and, and inevitably at times people will talk about just not having enough time. I've joked with my friend, he's also a pastor, and we, we text, goodness, probably every day and, and talk on the phone at least a couple of times, time every couple of weeks. And uh, we, just, we just joke back and forth with each other. And, and there's been weeks where either one of us might say, man, I could use one more day this week. Anybody ever felt like that? I just need one more day this week, like an extra 24 hours. You know what I found? A lot of times it's not that we need more time and we're not going to get it anyway. It's how we're using it. Because it's interesting. Sometimes we'll say, well, we don't have enough time. But if we go back and look, we were on our phone like six hours today. And Netflix has always got something in the queue. I feel like I stepped on somebody's feet just then. I felt it, a little bump as I went across it. Declutter your life from the things that, that you know what? <laughs> when I get to heaven, Jesus isn't going to ask me if I watched a documentary on Netflix. I want to be able to stand before him and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I also want to have the margin just simply to be able to hear again, just simply to be able to rest in Jesus. We are the church. And my prayer for us today is that nothing would interfere with God's work through our lives.
that if we're overpaced, that we would be able with God's help to declutter, to better prioritize, to declutter, and to follow Jesus, and there be room to be hospitable and loving and kind and compassionate to people, to actually listen to them and pay attention to their stories, and to even allow the Holy Spirit to work in those moments. I think you would agree with me. What I would hate the most is to look back. I don't have this ability. I don't think you do either. But I wonder one day if we would be able to look back over the whole span of our lives. What I would hate to do is to get in the future in my life and look back over moments that God wanted to do something in somebody's life. But I blew past the time stamp, if you will, because I was so hurried in life. That somebody could have experienced freedom. Somebody could have had a nugget of truth planted in their lives. Somebody's life could have been changed by the power of God. But we were in such a hurry that we just blew right past it. Maybe different for everybody today. Um, maybe, maybe you've mastered this and maybe you're like, wow, our pastor's just got some problems. And that's okay too because I'll agree with you and tell you that I do. I can become distracted. I can get caught up in going down the dark holes of the internet. Like the things that where you, you start watching one little thing somebody sent you. And the next thing you know, you watch 47 of them, right? We can all get caught up in these things. This is not a message for us to say, gosh, I'm a failure. This is a message to say, God, I'm recognizing you want to use me in your mission. And I don't want to be so caught up in the things in this life that I miss the moments you want to do something in and through me. I don't want to be distracted with the wrong things. I don't want to be consumed with all of these other things. I want my time to be able to be committed. I want, I want margin where I can breathe and rest in you and hear your voice. I want margin where if I am in that store tomorrow and I'm picking up those hamburgers and hot dogs for that 4th of July cookout and, and I'm in a hurry because I got 47 other things to do to get home, to get the house ready for the people that are coming over, that if I'm in the middle of that moment and I hear a prompting of the Holy Spirit, I will stop and not just run Would you stand with me today all across the room? I'm going to ask any of our prayer team members that are here today, if you would come and make yourself available. In just a few moments, I'm going to pray over you. And if you have needs, if you have a desire to talk about what it means to follow Jesus, if you um, want to start that journey of following Jesus, there are people who will pray with you, who will listen to you, who will encourage you in return. Here's what I, I felt led to do today. Uh, in addition to these prayer members, prayer team members being here available to pray with you, I just felt like I wanted to pray over you and then encourage you to just spend a few moments allowing God to help maybe shift some things in your life if that's applicable to you. Taking a few moments, even right now, to not feel like you've got to be in this massive hurry to get to the next thing or the next responsibility but to be able to take a few moments and enjoy being with the Lord and letting Him work in your life even now I wrote down this very very simple prayer and maybe it can be a prompt for you today Holy Spirit we ask you to forgive us for the pace and hurry in our lives 
and illuminate any changes that need to be made in what we're doing. Just help us, Holy Spirit. Help us in these moments. Let me pray for you today, and then I'm going to encourage you to take some time, maybe even at your seat or in this altar, to take some time and just pray and spend with God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the illustration of the ministry of Jesus to us. Thank you, Lord, that you're challenging us to not be caught up in everything that the the world around us may say is important, but to be caught up in you and in your work. God, I pray that you would help us. If there are places where our pace or our hurry or even our priorities are out of whack or out of order, then God, help us today. Illuminate any area in our life that is is offensive to you. Anything that God keeps us from focusing on what is important. Help us, O Lord, to have stronger margin. Not, Not that we just have so much free time that we don't have anything to do all the time, but Lord, just that just that we would live in that healthy space, that healthy way of life where we prioritize what matters to you and we do the things we have to do and responsibilities, but we're careful to guard how we spend that time and how we prioritize things. And we're careful to be at a pace where the Holy Spirit can work in our hearts and even through us to minister to someone else. You've called us not just to taste and see that you are good, but to help other people follow you and know you. So would you help us today? Father, I pray that you would bless and keep this people and you would make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. May your countenance, your favor ever be turned in their direction and may you grant them your peace. I pray that each and every person, each and every family would have safety in these next few days, joyful times perhaps with friends or family. I pray, oh God, that we would remember all those who have given their lives, Lord, for the continuation of freedom in our nation and that, Lord, we would want to see people be free in you as well. God, go with us and keep us, I pray. And bless these moments where we spend with you in Jesus' name.